here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. If you're loving this show, which I know you are, please go over to dharmicevolution.com and you can click on whatever platform you like, Spotify or Pandora or uh, Apple Podcasts or Overcasts. This way, every Friday morning, the show comes right to your phone with no effort whatsoever on your part. Don't you just love that? Today, I need to honor the French people. And uh, why am I going to honor the French people? Je ne sais pas. No, I'll tell you a little bit further into the broadcast, but uh, it's a big thank you to my uh, French followers out there. How are you handling this uh, lockdown, which we seem to be coming out of uh, slowly but surely? What have you been doing? I'll tell you what I've been doing. I have been, um, I've been running and reading and, of course, praying <laughs> to, to get out of this thing, uh, which you can't do enough of that, it seems. You know, that's like a prerequisite pre, uh, for me every day. But uh, yeah, I've been. I started running because, uh, as many of you know, I am a yogi for many, many years, and um, of course, all of the places have been shut down. There's no more yoga anywhere that I know of, and um, all the fitness centers are still shuttered. So about four or five weeks ago, I started running, and maybe a little longer than that. But now I'm up to. Uh, about four to five miles every other day, usually. So it's a good um, it's a good substitute for not being able to do the um, you know the more aggressive hot workouts that I'm used to, or maybe hitting the weights. So I'm doing a little bit of uh, yoga in the house with the mat. Uh, set that up after the run. I do my stomachs and you know some downward dogs and you know, some stretching and things like that. So it's been really great because uh, I my weight dropped down to 160. And uh, sometimes I even break the 159 mark, which is very exciting. Uh, not doing anything too unusual with the meal plan. I'm sticking to my usual, um, you know, very regimented, kind of the same type of uh, regular diet that I eat all the time which is uh, pretty simple, um, fish, meat, uh, steak once in a while, uh, love salmon, um, salads, all that kind of goods. Try to eat as healthy as I can. But I do throw in some cheat meals now and then. Uh, once in a while, I go out for this amazing cheeseburger right here where I live. They cook it down home on the grill, and it's, it's a burger like none you've ever had before. So you have to have a couple of ice-cold IPAs with that, and that is my nemesis. <laughs> so I don't do it too often, but, uh, you know, once a week maybe. So you got to have those uh, cheat meals or cheat days once in a while. Sunday is usually my cheat day. So I eat really whatever I want and as much as I want on a Sunday and just treat myself. So I'm doing that. I'm doing the running, uh, exercising as much as I can. And I'm reading and, uh, of course, praying every morning. 
And what have I been reading lately? I'll tell you, I got a couple of things going. I've been reading this book called um, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And uh, it's pretty fascinating. It it was kind of a, a slow start for me, but it's this attorney who works in the South, and he gets people, um, he represents people on death row. And it's really, um, some of the content in here is just, it's unbelievable. If you think you have a stressful life, man, you ain't seen nothing what this guy went through um, to represent these people. And of course, you get all entangled with um, not just the litigation factor, but all of the personalities and you get inter-entwined with the family of the victim. And it's just it's just something like, I don't know how this guy ever, you know, slept through this. It was so um, tense and so horrifying, some of the things that are in this book. So anyway, I'm going through that. And I tend to get a lot of books going at once, and it's a bad habit because... You know, I skip around, which is really, really bad. And then and then eventually I settle down and say, yeah, I got to finish this one. And I got a couple of cryptocurrency books. So I'm reading up on the crypto fact. And I heard some loose talk about that Warren Buffett is a guy who does not entertain the idea of new technologies. He's kind of like, um, you know, he knows what he knows with... Uh, really grounded, traditional type of companies that, you know, he can get his teeth into the balance sheets and nobody does it quite like him. But somebody told me he's into cryptos now. And he pretty much got rid of uh, most of his stocks. I hear he's sitting on a mountain of cash. It's like you have to just, you know, you have to watch the air traffic control coming in because that's Warren way, way up high sitting on all those trillions of dollars or whatever he's got. So, uh, Warren Buffett uh, into cryptos is what I hear, so uh, it's a little uh, it's a little confusing when you you know study this cryptocurrency market, but something I want to I want to know about because uh, we certainly seem to be headed in that direction, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Another book I got was. Um, and I like a lot of technical stuff sometimes. Uh, I read financial newsletters and things like this. This man, George Gilder, um, he's he's kind of up in years. I think he's like in his 70s, middle 70s or so. Um, but he wrote this book called Life After Google. And it's called The Fall of Big Data and the Rise of the Blockchain Economy. Now, this guy's supposed to be this incredible wizard. I got through the forward and maybe through the first chapter and my fiance said to me, hey, how do you like that book? I said, I said, I made the mistake of sitting down and starting this book without a dictionary and a notebook because it's that kind of book. That kind of book is, um, you know, he's just really very, very um, cerebral and bright and forward-thinking man. And his language is such that, yeah, I couldn't get through it without, um, you know, I mean, I want to know what he's actually talking about. That's why uh, next sit down, I will have my dictionary with me. And what else? As far as I'm reading, I didn't start this. This just came in the mail. Uh, Neil Patel is a guy who's kind of an SEO um, guy out there. Uh, he's got He's got marketing agencies. And he's the angel investor. And you might know Neil from his podcasts and everything, but he uh, started this 
uh, angel investing thing, which which I picked up on. And it what it does, it vets out like new companies that are coming out. And like whatever you're passionate about, like I tend to like look through these companies and I go, you know, what do I feel like I am grounded in? Like I understand certain things like technologies, certain ones, there's a lot of them I do get, uh, whether it's social media or tech companies or whatever. But if I don't feel it, it's like, no, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that what the numbers say, I'm, I'm going to pass. And, but it's kind of a cool thing. It's called um, Angels and Investors. And he actually got Robert uh, Herjavik, I think I'm pronouncing it right, from the Shark Tank to uh, go in on, I guess, their partners in this. And what they do is they take all these companies and they put them on a website. And you get to dig in and listen to Neil vet out the company, sits down with the owner, and then he comes back and he just gives a quick, like, four or five minute dissertation on how it went. What did I think of this company? What do I think of their numbers? What I, what do I think of their game plan? And, um, you know, what's my take on where they're going, what their financials are? Uh, is it a crowded space? Is there opportunity here? Does anybody really want this? Does the market like this? And it's pretty amazing because some of these things you can buy for a hundred dollars and it's angel investing. It's like, I don't want to say penny stocks, but it's similar to that in that these are startups. So um, do you have a chance at the next Google or Amazon? Yeah, you kind of do. (laughs) And probably most of them will not achieve that level. However, if it's something you really believe in, um, I'm I'm all about that. It's like, yeah, I kind of can see where this can fit into society. People need this service or this product or or whatever it is. Uh, so it's it's kind of a hobby. It's a, it stimulates my thinking. So I'm doing that, um, and also uh, I want to honor today the people of France. And why do I want to honor the people of France? Well, I want to say thank you to all of you who are French out there who are supporters of the Dharmic Evolution. And you know, I I have these uh, stats that come through that to tell me where the podcast is being downloaded. And would you believe that number two, the USA being the big fat number one, number two in downloads for this show is France. And it's it's been that way for a while. And I, for the life of me, I don't understand why. Um, but, and, you know, more, more than the UK, more than Ireland, more than uh, Sweden and Germany. Um, and it is uh, just an honor. Thank you, my French friends. And so I wanted to say thank you to you guys. And before I forget, in case I forget to mention at the end, if you guys know of any French artists who um, would like to be a guest on the Dharmic Evolution, uh, musical or author, speakers, and thought leaders, because that's who I interview here when I have guests on the show, uh, I'd love to have somebody represent, you know, France. And I have not had a French person on yet. How did that happen? I mean, we're in uh, probably, I mean, we're downloaded in like, I think a hundred and some odd countries right now, but we are, um, we've had guests in about, I'm going to say, I counted them recently, I think 35 countries maybe. So uh, that is 
just always an honor to have the reach that Dharmic Evolution has had over these past uh, five years doing this show. So I want to continue to push that. And uh, if you guys are digging this show, as always, share it with your neighbor. Send them the link and uh, see if they can uh, climb on board with the Dharmic Evolution. So a couple of things I wanted to mention about um, the French culture and studying different things. And a really funny thing happened to me the last couple of nights. And I was catching up on this show. Uh, I watched this really, really late in the uh, broadcast history called Breaking Bad. I didn't get into this until years after the show was over. So I was revisiting a couple of episodes because I think it's so well written. It's a dark, terrible, horrible concept. (laughs) to be involved in this world. However, the acting and the writing is really, just the stories are, are, are incredible. Um, so as many of you know, I didn't. I moved into Tennessee about a year ago and I didn't have TV for about seven months. I just hooked up the TV recently and just in time because uh, you know the COVID thing happened. But not that I, not that I really care so much about it but it is nice for a chill out once in a while to just say I, I just feel like vegging I've been working a lot and I need to not think about anything for a while so TV accomplishes that that end um, so I was watching Breaking Bad it's all about meth right then I was watching this program last night uh, about World War II and the invasion of France and I don't remember the line of when the Germans really put on the press to invade, uh, I think it was Paris, or maybe it wasn't Paris, but anyway, um, they got held up, all of their tanks, miles and miles and miles, they got held up, and there was like this massive traffic jam, and they were about to hit this blitz into the country and just surprise uh, the French because the French were actually had them outnumbered, outmanned. They had a fine military and everything. And it was just a series of events. This pilot radioed it in to somebody uh, saying, you know, describing what he saw, which was like this massive traffic jam of this one road that went for, you know, dozens of miles. So the Germans were just backed up. They were sitting ducks. And... <laughs> He, he radioed it in to his commanding officer. The guy didn't believe him. So they kind of blew it off. Anyway, they did the Blitzkrieg for three days, smashing into the lines like just like a, you know, this incredibly bold um, um, strategic uh, military move to get into, to break into France. But what I didn't know was that they were giving the soldiers methamphetamines. Because these guys went three days straight. I'm talking about the Germans. They went three days straight. And everybody was like, what are they, they superhuman? Or what, what is this? And they didn't call it uh, meth um, like they call it today. But it was a methamphetamine. And these guys were not sleeping. They were going 24-7 for three days. And when the French found out, they had like said, all right, we know they're on the run. They're, they're in invasion mode right now. However, uh, they won't get here for at least two weeks. And they got there in, in like three days. It was just, it was just crazy. So um, I guess 
the Germans were experimenting with all kinds of drugs. So those guys were the original uh, Breaking Bad crew, <laughs> you know, you know, giving their soldiers uh, methamphetamines. But the, the you know the things I want to mention about uh, the French, uh, their culture. So fabulous. I've only been there once. I really, really, really enjoyed it. And a lot of people told me that when you go there, man, they don't like Americans. Uh, you know, you, you better be prepared. I didn't get that at all. I didn't, it was not not like that whatsoever. They were very, very kind. They're very respectful, very helpful. Uh, I went with my son, and we were lost actually trying to find um, a place to, to sleep for a couple nights. And like when he graduated college, we decided to do a trip just like, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll just make up the trip as we go along. So we flew to London and then we took the uh, the train, the channel uh, from London to Paris. And when we got there, we were just kind of stumbling around trying to find places to stay. And I remember going in this one little sort of tiny hotel, almost like a bed and breakfast. And the guy there was so sweet. He said, I don't have any rooms for you monsieur so he gets on the phone and he starts calling up like a bunch of friends I, hey i got these two guys here you know father and his son they're, they're traveling they're looking for something and he hooked us up you know hey go up here like three blocks and over and they couldn't have been nicer i mean we had a great time we went to you know all the sites in paris you know of course the eiffel tower and and all of the amazing things that um the french uh, have done culturally, and by the way, when they uh, they gave up the city in uh, World War II, I thought that was a very very bold and strategically great move to do that because if they if they had just dug in and said no, we're not surrendering at, at, at any cost, they knew the writing was on the wall that you know the Third Reich was going to decimate that city. Just everything they had as far as fine artistry and culture the buildings the architecture um the artistry everything would be destroyed and it was a really good move because then eventually you know we get the city back intact with all of its splendor and all of its beauty so i think that was a really strong move on behalf of the french to do that well how about we uh engage in some interesting facts about uh the french and the country of france um, you know, it's sometimes known as the hexagon due to, f to the fact that it has six sides. Did you know that? It's pretty cool. It's an unusual uh, landmass, um, which is kind of nice. And when all of France's possessions around the world are taken into account, including French Polynesia, French Guyana, Martinique, France occupies the most time zones of any country, 12 of them, 12 time zones. Beloved Paris was a Roman city originally. In those days, it was known as Lutetia. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm trying my best. In addition to being the most studied language in the world after English, French is one of the most romance languages. Along with Italian and Spanish, all of these languages have their beginnings in Latin. And I can tell you personally, as a young Irish Catholic boy growing up, German Irish, I should say. I can't forget the German. I have about 20% German in me, just enough to keep me neat and organized. Um, 
I went to Catholic school and it was all about, you had to learn Latin. I was an altar boy. And, um, and you, you took French too, like French class and Latin. So I don't know what happened to those. I forgot everything I ever learned. So what happened? Je ne sais pas. Let me continue. The French army was the first to use camouflage. During World War I, artists painted vehicles and equipment to blend into their respective backgrounds. Over one half of the traffic roundabouts in the world are located in France. Now I'm wondering, I think the French probably uh, created the roundabouts. And it's funny because they've been around, you know, for a long, long time. Um, and they're just starting to get, um, in the past 10, 20 years here in the States, they're getting more and more, um, interesting roundabouts, uh, rather than have, you know, everybody just collide into a big traffic light. You keep the traffic moving. It's a pretty interesting and, and clever way of flowing traffic, you know, without, uh, stopping everyone. In the Second World War, when Hitler visited the Eiffel Tower, the French cut all of the lift cables. This forced him to climb the stairs if he wanted to enjoy the view from the top. <laughs> I bet he never did. I don't know if he did or not, but uh, another strong move, right? In 2017, French President Emmanuel Macron became the youngest ever president of his country at the age of 39. King Louis the, what is that? King Louis the uh, 19th? Yeah, X1X is 19. Had the shortest reign in history, 20 minutes. His father had abdicated the throne and Louis followed him in abdicating in favor of his nephew. That must have been a hard pill to swallow. Uh, French, French, France made history in 2016 by banning supermarkets from throwing out unsold food items. I love this. These stores are now required to donate the food to charities and food banks. See, again, the French thinking outside the box. Why are we wasting all this food? And we're doing more of that, I believe, in this country now, but I don't think enough. I know some of the you know health laws and everything, they, they prohibit it, and I tried to get involved with this. I remember at one point, and um, there was a lot of, things in the way of trying to accomplish that. So once again, my hat is off to you Frenchmen and ladies. Thank you. During the Second World War, the Mosque of Paris protected French Jews from the Nazis by supplying them with Muslim identification cards. And we all know the most well-known bicycle race in the world. It's the Tour de France. Began in 1903. I didn't know it was that long. Keeping food fresh is easier thanks to the French. Nicholas Appert, a confectionery by trade, came up with the concept of canning foods using sealed glass containers, which were placed in boiling water. Pierre Durand came up with a practical way to preserve food in tin cans. The guillotine was the official method of execution in France, from 1792 until the death penalty was abolished in 1981. I don't know, that death, it's probably, uh, the guillotine was probably more merciful than the crazy electric chair uh, that we have in this country, which I, I believe is, is totally gone now. But um, 
I don't know if you guys saw the Shawshank Redemption, where they um, the execution was was butchered. You know, it was because of the the guy didn't put the water on the man's head, who is which is acts like an electrode and draws you know death more instant. And it was a horrifying thing where he was just cooked to death. And getting back to my book that I was reading, which I talked about earlier, Just Mercy. Um, in the book, uh, Brian Stevenson describes that that exact thing happened because they didn't tighten the electrode on someone's leg. And the man just sat there and burned and cooked and had electricity like searing through his body. And they stopped. And then because he wasn't dead, they had to start again. Oh, it's just it's terrible. So that's why I think the guillotine at least was more... Uh, more merciful than the electric chair. Electric chair is just pretty awful. Um, always forward thinking, the French were the first to introduce the concept of license plates for automobiles in 1893. I have a whole story on that, which I won't go into right now, but my own personal experience with license plates in New Jersey. Uh, the capital of France is Paris. It has a population of approximately 2.3 million. Well, I didn't know it was that small i thought it was bigger than that but that that's good that's good that it's accessible to people the french government has mandated that at least 40 percent of all music played on private radio stations in the country be of french origin half of that quota of french music is also be required to be less than six months old um that's interesting because when I was there, I was amazed at the amount of American uh, and, you know, Western Europe and, you know, just pop stuff that I was hearing and w was very surprised. It's like, wow, is there, it sounds like I'm in New York with, with the uh, playlists that they had. But maybe it was depending on where I was, too. Total of land area, France is the largest country in the European Union. Between 1814 and 1830, the official flag of the Kingdom of France was simply a plain white field with no other colors, symbols, or borders. The famous, oh, here we go, I'm going to, the so, it's Las Cao, Caux, <laughs> I hear you guys laughing, it's L-A-S-C-A-U-X, La Salle, caves in France have rock paintings in them dating back over 17,000 years. I didn't get a chance to see that. I'd love to see that. Um, the Louvre Museum in Paris, I was there, is consistently the most visited museum in the world. Over 9 million visitors go through their doors annually. By the 1660s, France already had a public form of uh, transportation. It consisted of horse-drawn wagons that followed a set schedule along specific routes. For 214 years, it was illegal in Paris for women to wear pants. This ended in 2012. Wow, I didn't know that either. The highest mountain in France is Mont Blanc. At 15,780 feet, Mont Blanc is part of the French Alps. Very beautiful. Haven't been there, but have seen the photos. Amazing. And despite France's reputation as a culinary mecca, French males have the lowest percentage of obesity in Europe. What is up with that? How is it that um, 
they can chef and cook. And you've seen how some chefs do it. They, they just eat nonstop. And they're just doing little samplings. But, you know, little samplings all day long, you can become a house after a while. Um, crazy. In order to be a taxi driver in Paris, you would have to pay almost 200,000 euros to get your license. Yeah, I think New York City is the same way with that medallion. You have to really, it's a big investment. Uh, France is divided into 13 regions, which are, which are divided into 101 departments. There are also five ROMs, or overseas regions, which are part of France. In December 2015, the regions were reorganized to the 13 current regions, down from the previous number of 22. The oldest person in the world was, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, a French woman who lived to be 122 years and 164 days old. And I bet you her son was a thin chef, right? The guy was a rail. He was 152 pounds, I bet. No country has won more Nobel Prizes for literature than France. The French rail system at 29,000 kilometers is second only to Germany's in length. The actual name France came from a Germanic tribe. They used the word Frank, which meant free in their native tongue. Champagne comes exclusively from the Champagne region of France. If it doesn't come from here, it is simply referred to as sparkling wine. And that's about all I have today for the Viva la France podcast. And the song I'm going to leave you guys with is um, actually a song that I wrote uh, a chunk of this while I was wandering about the Louvre. Um, did I say it? The Louvre. I got to work on my French. I'm so bad. You know, as you guys know, as fans of this show, you know, I make a lot of mistakes constantly. And no, you know, no apologies, no whatever. It's just... You know, I make mistakes. I'm a mistake-making machine. I had a good friend of mine call me this week, and she was laughing about, uh, she said, you know, you call yourself the master storyteller. And uh, she said, some people might think that's very conceited. I said, yeah, I know. And uh, I did that. The reason I did that is when I started, I knew I was not good at being a master storyteller. So I said, well, if I give myself the emblem then I'm going to have to work my ass off to earn it. <laughs> so I said, in five years, when you hear my show, if I'm still referring to myself as the master storyteller, I'm not there yet, So, but I'm trying. Anyway, this song, I was in the Louvre, and I was, again, I was visiting uh, Paris with my son, and we took a trip to the Louvre, and this song uh, was kind of born on that trip. And I had all these ideas about it. So when I got back home, of course, I sat down and, you know, the song came out very quickly because I was writing it the whole time, you know, in my subconscious. The story kept evolving what it's supposed to be. So I'm going to leave you with that. But um, thank you for your support today. And my French fellows, please send this um, show, send a link to anybody that you know um, in your country that might enjoy this. And also, if you know any singer-songwriters um, that are hardworking, uh, career-minded professionals that would love to be on the Dharmic Evolution, I'd love to interview them and get my first 
bona fide French guest on the show so you guys can uh, take up the ranks um, with the rest of the world. So that's a wrap for me today. Don't forget to go over to the um, the website, dharmicevolution.com, and also the um, Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page. If you want to see what's going on in the world with singer-songwriters, authors, speakers, and thought leaders, you can post your content or you can support other artists that are on that site. And people from all over the world um, come on that site and post their content. That's what it's there for. As most of you know, the Dharmic Evolution community was created to be supporting others. It's all about shining the light of appreciation on others. So I can't thank you guys enough. As I said, that's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, I'll see you from the stage, but right now, it's time to tango on. Virgin at a JFK London and to Paris Now we're on our way But we don't need to do The tango, baby We're in Paris What sense would it make? Now we can talk it over In quiet whispers in the Louvre Got a feeling we should make another move Tangle, tangle on The tangle's all about the trust You'll be there for me and I for you You get a permanent pass, you can
Just tangle on. 